0: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Life Study emphasizes the capital L, life, that can be found in the scriptures. Jesus himself said in John six sixty three, The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. This is the fruit of over 70 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Watchman Nee began his ministry in China in the 1920s and it continued until his imprisonment and eventual martyrdom in the 1970s. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the United States in 1962 and began speaking these Life Study messages in 1974, completing it in 1995. To find out more, you can visit our website, lifestudy.com. Again, that's lifestudy.com. Now, let's join today's program. A deeply burdened Apostle Paul returns to the religious center of Jerusalem, only to be met with the most difficult situation of his entire life. To view and consider this momentous event in the life of the one who opened the depths of the New Testament revelation is a powerful confirmation of God's sovereignty and his absolute commitment to his purpose. Stay with us today for this major event on the Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord Jesus for his entire life on nearly every continent, and he left us with a rich and bountiful harvest from his life of ministry. The chief fruit of his labor, the life study of the Bible, is the basis for our program. And again today, we'll include short portions of his spoken ministry from his life study on the book of Acts, along with our own conversation. And here once again for that is Ron Kangas. Ron, great to have you back.
1: Great to be back.
0: There was a very strong atmosphere in Jerusalem when the Apostle Paul arrived. This is at the end of his third missionary journey, as it's called. Of course, he had come out of a deep concern for the saints of Jerusalem. And he also had a strong desire to help the church there out of its condition of mixture that had become so prevalent. Out of the fellowship, Ron, that Paul had with the leading ones in Jerusalem... He agrees to participate in a formal Jewish vow, the Nazarite vow, complete with the Levitical offerings. But the Lord Jesus sovereignly intervenes to prohibit Paul from completing this vow. Why, in light of God's economy, would this have been a problem if Paul had gone through with the completion of this Jewish ritual vow?
1: I'll do my best to present my current understanding of this. It seems there are two aspects here. The first, Paul's agreeing to go to the temple with those who had made this Nazarite vow, even to pay whatever costs were involved for the sacrifices and the procedure. This indicates, we have to be honest, a shortcoming in Paul himself. We don't condemn him. Who are we to condemn him or anybody? But he succumbed to that atmosphere, to that very weighty pressure. Just remember, in this chapter, Paul recounts to James and the brothers what the Lord had done through his ministry. And their response was almost curt. They said, well, praise the Lord. Now look what's going on in Jerusalem. There's a huge number of Jews. They have believed in the Lord, but they're zealous for the law. And surely they'll find out that you're here. That implies they had some kind of problem with Paul. So Paul, for whatever reason, yielded to that, indicating that he himself needed more revelation from the Lord, more constituting with the truth, that he himself needed to thoroughly complete the dispensational transfer out of law into grace. The second matter, and I would say the more serious and important matter, is what that shows, Paul's going to the temple, what it shows concerning the incurable mixture in Jerusalem and in the church in Jerusalem. Yes, they had agreed in Acts 15 that the Gentiles did not have to keep the law of Moses and be circumcised. But they themselves clung to it. They were zealous for it, the Jewish believers. And so what there was was a mixture of the two dispensations, which is an affront to God. It's an insult. It is contrary to the direction of God's move. So the Lord intervened sovereignly, first using a tumult among the religionists of those who were stirred up. They were ready to put Paul to death to do away with him. The Lord used that situation To intervene, then the Lord used representatives of the Roman Empire, especially after they realized Paul was a citizen, to conduct him and bring him into a safe situation. What we have in Acts 21 is, I would say, a glaring picture of the failure to make the dispensational transfer required by God himself, initiated and consummated by the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Instead of having an absolute turn, letting go of everything from the old dispensation, there was a mixture so prevailing that the Apostle Paul, who knew the will of God, who saw the face of the righteous one, who heard the voice of his mouth, according to the record in Acts 22, even such an Apostle, was put into a compromising situation. But then the Lord reacted. We will see eventually he used the environment to enable Paul to complete the dispensational transfer. And we know from history, which fulfilled the Lord's prophetic word in the Gospels, Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed, the church in Jerusalem was destroyed, the church in particular, because of an incurable mixture that God would not tolerate and allow to be exported to other parts of the earth. The light that is in Brotherly's ministry on this chapter, I would say, is very particular. I'm not aware of any other ministry on Acts that has so vividly conveyed the real situation in this chapter in light of of the Lord's theme and acts of a marvelous dispensational transfer out of the old covenant thoroughly into the new.
0: Uh, on the surface this may seem to be somewhat of a historical examination and you may think what does this really have to do with me? I would just encourage our listeners be assured before this broadcast is over this whole matter will be brought into a very sharp focus how it directly impacts us. Let's join Witness Lee.
2: Could you believe that Paul would do this? Join the Nazareth vow. This was after the writing, Galatians and Romans. I couldn't believe. But he did. Verse 27. Now, when the seven days were about to be concluded, the Jews from Asia saw him in the temple. You think about, suppose Paul was not in the temple. Paul only stayed with the brothers. Forget about the temple. Paul just told the uh, brothers, all the sacrifices are over, all the priesthood is over. I wouldn't go back to have any share in the temple, in the sacrifices, the offerings, in the priesthood. No, I would just finish with you. But even Paul was compromising. For Paul, he wrote these two books of Galatians and Romans just recently for him to take such a step that was too great a compromising. You know Paul was there six days already in the temple waiting for the completion that the priest would come to offer offerings for him and the others how could he leave there for the six days? You think he was happy there? You think he was praising the Lord? Hallelujah, all the day long, this is my story, this is my song. He praised the Lord in the prison, in chapter 16. Do you think he could praise the Lord there, in the temple? The temple is a much better place. I tell you, that prison in Philippi, it was a heaven. But this temple here is a real prison. He got trapped. Don't you think so? But the Lord had a way. The Jews came. They threw the whole crowd into an uproar. On the one hand, Paul got in trouble. Actually, he got released. He got released. Released from where? Released not only from the temple, but from that demonic Mixture. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord protected his faithful servant from that demonic mixture.
0: Well, Ron, Witness Lee presents us here with an interesting contrast. He presents Paul's time in the temple while he was trying to carry out this vow. And he presents this time as a kind of imprisonment to Paul. But later on, Paul is actually put in captivity and confinement in Caesarea Philippi, under the Roman governor there, and witnessly describes that time as a kind of release to him. Why such categorizations?
1: Why? Because they accurately portray the situation. Once Paul agreed to James's proposal, go at these brothers, go into the temple day after day for the whole period of the time, participate in the ritual, support them, underwrite the costs. Paul got trapped in a situation. How does he get out of that? And then literally, physically, he's in the temple, surrounded by all the people there, all the activities there. So he, he was, in effect, Imprisoned by the situation represented by the temple physically, and when the religionists heard that he was in the temple and claimed that he had brought unclean persons into the temple, they rioted. So Paul was really in a difficult situation. It's rightfully done to refer to that as a kind of prison. Well, God was not done with Paul. He had not yet finished his course. He had not yet completely fulfilled his ministry. So the Lord, being the sovereign God of heaven and earth, exercised his sovereignty first to rescue Paul from that prison, literally from the temple and from the bind he was in involving the religious situation in and out of the church. Then God went on, sovereignly to use the Roman Empire and its officials to put Paul into a form of captivity, not in Jerusalem, because when the centurion heard that there was a plot to kill Paul, he brought him with a good number of soldiers to Caesarea Philippi, a pleasant city by the sea, where Paul remained for two years, not threatened by anybody. And the brothers and sisters in the Lord were allowed to see him and to supply him. We have to believe this was a great relief and release to Paul. Yes, he's not free to work outwardly, but his inner being is free, his spirit, his soul, his mind, his heart. Surely he was contacting the Lord as he always did, opening to the Lord, seeking the Lord, receiving light from the Lord. It is very likely that during those two years, in this pleasant situation of release, light began to come directly from the Lord that Paul eventually recorded in Hebrews, in Ephesians, in Colossians in Philippians, in 2 Timothy, that was when he was in Rome. So from God's point of view, this was the best situation for the limited, released apostle to receive more of the divine revelation directly from the Lord, and then himself to absolutely and thoroughly complete the dispensational transfer, and to point the way in his epistles for all of us believers following even centuries later can learn from him how to be fully into God's New Testament economy.
0: Let's go back to Witness Lee.
2: In Matthew 22, in that parable of the vineyard, the Lord called the Jewish leaders the evil vine dressers. So God sent the army to destroy and tear Jewish thing, Everything. If you have the time, I would ask you to read Josephus' record. That was an absolute destruction. So the Lord Jesus said, not one stone will be left on another stone. A certain destruction. And I do believe thousands and thousands of Jewish believers all got slaughtered the Lord just was mad to wipe out not only the rebellious Israel, but also the mixed Christianity. Anything Jewish, physical, spiritual, religious, anything Judic, Titus was used by the Lord to wipe it out. The mixed Christianity was fully terminated with the destruction of of Jerusalem and the temple. the are terminate the source of poison. The Lord had a way. The Lord knows what is there in Paul's heart. He was faithful. Yet, he couldn't help the situation. He got into the trap, the compromising trap. But the uproar rescued him. Have you noticed? They got Paul, they were seeking to kill him. And I believe if five minutes later, he would have been killed. But at that juncture, so crucial, the commander of the Roman cohort came in. He didn't have any thought to protect Paul. But he was doing his duty to keep the city in a good order. So he came in to intervene, and his intervention rescued Paul. His intervention actually became a protection of Paul. So Paul got out of the plotting hand of the Jews. In brief, he was rescued to a place that he could say, I am indeed a Jewish man of Tarsus in Cilicia a citizen of no insignificant city and I beg you permit me to speak to the people without this commander whom he was speaking he should have been already killed but God's sovereignty delivered him out of that killing situation so he began to defend himself
0: We have to be impressed now with God's sovereignty, both in his rescue of Paul, his utilization of a Roman commander, and how Jerusalem and the temple were eventually to be brought under the destruction of the Roman general Titus. We want to be careful how we touch this point, Ron. It's easy for misunderstanding here. But the destruction of the temple was something that was fully prophesied by the Lord Jesus himself. And ultimately, it did serve a purpose in the furtherance of God's plan and goal, didn't it?
1: Let's begin by acknowledging the facts. First, when the disciples with the Lord were in and around the temple and they remarked to him how beautiful everything was, the Lord began to speak to them of what, before too long, would happen. Not one stone would be left on another. And elsewhere, in parabolic form, the Lord indicated that the Roman army was actually God's army carrying out his sovereign action for his own purpose to destroy the city of Jerusalem and to destroy the temple. These are facts. The prophecy is a fact. The historical event is a fact. On the side of the spiritual significance, this disaster, which it was, cleared the way for the Lord to flow on to carry out His eternal purpose and to fulfill His plan, His arrangement, which are His economy. The mixture that had been there was eliminated. So now the ministry for the remainder of the time with Paul... Then for a short period of time with Peter, then for a much longer time with John, the ministry could continue in purity. Yes, other problems would be faced, persecution in the environment, certain kind of discord or confusion in the church. But the matter of that mixture, that perverse mixture, was settled once and for all.
0: Well, we see two of the great figures of the New Testament really affected, uh, as you mentioned, Paul, and also, of course, James. Uh, even the Apostle John is at one point, there's an opportunity where he could have spoken. He chose not to. So certainly, if they're not immune, we are not immune, and that's going to be the focus of this last section. How does all of this relate and tie to us in our experience with the Lord? Let's join Witness Lee.
2: Paul was kept probably in Caesarea for two years. I would uh, in fair, i guess a little bit. Those two years, I believe, would have been excellent to Paul. He was kept there, kept away from his busyness. And he was kept away from all the troubles of the plotting Jews. What he was doing there? He was there preparing to put out the coming crucial books, which were written by him when he was in Roman prison. I believe in the two years when he was kept in the camp custody in Caesarea, he was thinking, considering, to put out some books to complete his ministry. Thus far, he never got the time to write Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. He never got the time to write Timothy. And also, Hebrews. These are the crucial books. He wrote altogether forty pieces. By this time, Romans was written, two Corinthians were written, two Thessalonians were written, and Galatians, six books. These are basic books, but these are not crucial books. They are basic. Romans, Galatians, Corinthians, Thessalonians, all the six books were basic. But they were not so crucial as Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, two Timothy, one Titus, and one Philemon, plus the most crucial one, Hebrews. You see, all these crucial books were written after his two-year stay in the Caesarea Custody. I believe those two years had too much to do with his upcoming writings. This was the Lord's sovereign doing to complete Paul's transfer from the old to the new. The Lord did it. He carried out a complete transfer. And this transfer is fully recorded in the Holy Word. And we can have a complete pattern how to get us complete transfer from the Old Testament economy to God's New Testament economy.
0: Ron, we want to come back now to a topic that we touch frequently in the life study of Acts, and that is the dispensational transfer. By this time, we're not in the context of its meaning or its doctrinal application, but fully in the realm of the experience of God's called one, the Apostle Paul. This harrowing episode in Jerusalem, coupled with the two-year confinement that he had in Philippi, was very much used by the Lord to fully complete the dispensational transfer in Paul. What are the implications of all of this for God's move in general and specifically even for us today?
1: Okay, two main lines of application. First is the more outward side. Paul was rescued out of a situation of mixture and placed in an environment where he could make the transfer himself. The second line I would emphasize more. Paul's own being had to be touched. Any element in him that had led to his seeming compromise in Jerusalem, his accommodating, that mixture, or any shortage in his own spiritual insight, enlightenment, or realization, that had to be touched. It's significant that by the time Paul wrote Philippians 3, He counted everything loss. He suffered the loss of all things. He counted them as dung, as refuse, as garbage. This shows that in his being, there was no remnant of the old dispensation. It was gone. Therefore, because in his own being, he had been fully transferred. He can convey to us with clarity and purity and tremendous light what the New Testament economy is, what its focus is, what the crucial truths are, what the necessary experiences are, all because outwardly he fully left religion behind and was absolutely in the body of Christ expressed as local churches. Inwardly, he had made the transfer Every fiber of his being was now in God's New Testament economy. Paul mentions in 1 Timothy 1.16, God set him forth as a pattern to all those who would believe, including us today. So here we see in Paul a pattern of making the transfer out of religion, then Judaism, into God's New Testament economy concerning Christ and the Church. Now, in principle, we need to make the same transfer outwardly from the religious system and intrinsically and inwardly in our being so that our entire being is saturated with Christ for the church to fulfill God's eternal purpose carried out according to his New Testament economy.
0: Thank you, Brother Ron, for your fellowship today. I think we all got a lot of help. As always, we invite you to call us at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788 to find out about material we have or with questions or comments. Our email address is radio at lsm.org. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wild. Thanks very much for listening today. This program is brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher of the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. To find out more about these two 20th century New Testament ministers, we invite you to visit our website lsm.org. There you'll find more than 600 titles from both authors available online. You can also listen to recordings of Witness Lee's spoken messages and see the full array of material that Living Stream has to offer. Again, That's lsm.org. Thank you for listening today.